A lot of people are wondering, where is Minka Fitzpatrick? The Pittsburgh Steelers have played six games, and he's yet to record an interception. He hasn't made the big splash plays, albeit you know, he did have a field goal block return for a touchdown that was overturned. He still hasn't been the superstar playmaking safety that he was for the Steelers the last two seasons. But is that really something that should be alarming? Steelers, Steelers secondary coach Terrell Austin spoke at the, at the practice facility Wednesday. Joining me to talk about that is Brooke Pryor of ESPN, returning guest here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We thank you for making the Lockdown Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Remember that we are available for free on all podcasting platforms. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, we are we are on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube. Like our YouTube videos. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really helps out the show. Joining me again on the show, a returning guest, a person we love to have on here all the time, Brooke Pryor of ESPN is back on. Brooke, I know we're not Get Up and we're not Mike Greenberg, but we love to start days with you here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. How you doing? I'm great. It's it's really like you, Greeny, and then ah, everybody else. So ah, I'll take same that. level, hundred <laughs> percent. I will take that hundred percent. Now. Uh, the Steelers' defense hasn't been at 100% this year. Uh, they've been, you know, they, 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 they rank kind of, in, you know, outside of the top 10 in most categories. Um, but one of the things that people have been pointing at is the lack of the big splash plays. Now, they got some big, a big splash play from TJ Watt to close out that game. They almost got one from Minka Fitzpatrick. He did force a fumble on DJ Dallas that um, had the ball just bounced in the other direction. It gets scooped up by a Steeler. The Steelers win, and Minka Fitzpatrick's the superhero of that game. And people say, ah, oh, Minka's back. We told you. Uh, but uh, that didn't happen that way. So now people are still wondering, where is Minka Fitzpatrick? And um, I, I think it's really interesting when you look at his numbers. He does it, you know, PFF grades him as one of the worst safeties in the NFL right now. Um, he does have missed tackles, but he also leads the team in tackles. I wanted to get your assessment, um, one, on your own thoughts, and then two, based off of what uh, Terrell Austin said Wednesday at the Steelers facility. Just where do you think Minka is right now? Is he still this top-tier safety that we've seen in the last two years and things just aren't, you know, things just haven't been, you know, circumstantially working in his favor? Or is there something actually wrong there? I don't think there's anything wrong with Minka Fitzpatrick in the sense that, like, sound the alarms, the Steelers wasted that first-round pick that they shouldn't have traded to to get Minka. Um, I, You and I were talking about this at practice the other day. It seems like, to me, because of how they're trying to figure out how to use him, he was so effective early on because he was staying in one spot and, like, could really own that spot and make splash plays there as, you know, as that, that center fielder, they were like, we just, we want you to do this one thing and be really good at this one thing. Well, now they want him to be good at a lot of different things. So it's almost like he has to take a step back to then take a bigger step forward. Um, so to me, it, it is not concerning yet because he's come really close a couple times and it's like, he just needs to get, one to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and I was actually just pulling up the quotes from Tyrell Austin. And one thing he said earlier, you know, have you asked more of Minka? 
And he said earlier this year we did in terms of moving him around. We had him at nickel, had him at dime, had him in different spots. And now we've let him settle in some because the other guys have come along. So now he has a chance to really hone in on his position. To me, that signals that he's going to have more splash plays coming forward because early on they were using him all over the field. And it's tough to get in a rhythm when you are everywhere. And like when you were just saying that Minka Fitzpatrick is everywhere, the thing that jumped out in my head um, is the Ted Lasso, Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> this is a family podcast. Yes, it is. You we know. are. We are family friendly. Thank you for so, thank you for censoring there because YouTube would ping us for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but when Roy Kent's everywhere, he's being a really effective and and changing the game everywhere. Uh, Mink Fitzpatrick is not quite on that level. Um, he he is not Roy Kent. They want him to be like that, to have that kind of impact. But yeah, I think that just part of it is the defense as a whole, the secondary as a whole, being so fluid and the rotation of guys trying to get some of these younger guys worked in and figure out where they fit. I think to me, the development of guys like Arthur Millette and Trey Norwood is going to allow Mika Fitzpatrick to settle in and play his natural position and not press so much and feel like he has to do 1500 things on this defense that he can focus on like one or two things that he's really good at. And then those splash plays will come. I, I agree with that assessment. I just, I think that one thing that you have to remember is that people's like, well, well Troy Polamalu did it. I think that's why Troy Polamalu is one of the greatest safeties of all times because he could do that. But also remember Troy didn't jump into the scene and was amazing in year one. His rookie season, a lot of people called him a bust because he wasn't doing everything and everywhere. But again, look at Mika Fitzpatrick. He's not even 24 yet. He will be ne- or not, not even 25 yet. He will be 25 next month. But when you look at Minka Fitzpatrick and you look, this guy's extremely young. He's already been made several plays. He's already a guy that a lot of people on this team look to as like as, as a as a captain, as a leader, as a playmaker, as a guy who's going to come with the big play in the big moment. That's a lot to have uh, to, to have for a safety at, at such a young age. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, I see people out there, some people out there already saying, oh man, the Steelers, they just shouldn't pay this guy next year. I, I think you'd be ridiculous to let a, a player like this go and a leader like this go at such a young age. And again, it's just week six. Like you said, they've been moving him all around. Now they're talking about settling, settling him back into his role. And it was around this time, this, this time last year when, he was in a similar situation. He had no, he had no, I don't think he had an interception yet uh, before the, the Browns game last year. And that's when he had a pick six on Baker Mayfield. And then more of those plays started to roll in for him. It's just, it, it turnovers don't always happen, you know, to ever, to everybody who's a great player. Sometimes it just has to be circumstantially come your way. Uh, but I, I think that's where Minka Fitzpatrick's kind of at right now. It's, you know, he, some people have thrown a lot of passes underneath him. It just hasn't worked mm-hmm. out as much because he's helping out everyone else. Um, but I, I see this more about a situation as far as the Steelers defense had a lot of different holes in it. You had Devin Bush down for a while. You have still a defensive line depth issues. You're you're still trying to figure out who James Pierre is for your secondary. Cam Sutton was out. You're still trying to figure out who your slot cornerback is. And with that, Minka is kind of the safety valve to kind of protect all those different positions. And when you're doing that, you can't be the guy that's just playing your role to be the X-Factor guy. Yep, exactly. I To me... Minka, there's been so much asked of Minka, and I think he's capable of doing it, but this might sound crazy to say, but I still think that at 24 years old, almost 25, he's still a really raw player that he has. He, I think he's going to be and is a very cerebral player, cerebral guy. When you talk with Mike Tomlin about him, 
he's seeing qualities in Minka that he saw in Troy Palomalu, but he doesn't want to put the Troy label on him because that's a ton of pressure, but just the way that he understands concepts can diagnose things. I think that he will be a very good player. He already is a very good player, but there are just some things that aren't totally caught up yet that aren't refined. And so, yeah, he's not having the same impact that you would like to have, but also when you get traded for and have the tear that he got like four or five games in a row, he had interceptions. Yeah. Um, that's you've set the bar really high for yourself, but I don't think that it's fair to be like, well, this guy's a bust. Like he wasn't, he Steelers shouldn't pay him. Like if you're not going to pay him, who are you going to pay? Because this guy is a found a foundational piece of the defense. He's not developing as fast as someone like Troy, but like Troy Palomalu is Troy Palomalu for a reason. Not every safety has that career trajectory and ends up in a gold jacket. Like take some guys different times and it's situational too. Like, was Troy having to do everything for that defense? He did a lot, but like I don't know that it, it's fair to compare the situation that Mink is in with the situation that Troy's in. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just completely different spots. Also, Minka, you know, he's based on being a center fielding free safety. That's where he's at his best. Troy was at his best, just flying all over the place. Like, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this over here, do this over here. Bye. I'm over, over, I'm over here now. And then he could also be a center fielder. So, you know, I, it's again, different players make are in different styles are put into different defenses. And this is also a different defense than what Troy Polamalu, you know, played in. Uh, so yeah, I, I look at this, this situation and for those who are, are, are really down on Minka, I think that you're really overlooking, um, you know, overlooking, you know, a lot of the circumstances that the Steelers have gone through this year. But I also think that Minka will turn it up at some point this year, get a, get a few of those big plays and be a big factor why this team makes a serious push when they come back off the bye week, maybe as soon as the, the week that they do come off the bye week when they play the Cleveland Browns. But, Brooke, I got to get you some offensive questions because a lot of people have been asking me on the Locked on Steelers Facebook group about James Washington and what his status is. We heard from Mike Tomlin on Tuesday, and then I kill your Steelers receiver coach also spoke about it then i want to get all about what what he thought and what you or what he said and what you think about the situation but first we got to talk about our sponsor rockauto.com save time and money when you visit rockauto.com why choose to spend 30 percent, 50 percent, or even 100 percent more from the same parts from a chain store or car dealership for example you can go to a ch- to a chain store or car dealership for a honda odyssey fuel pump and it'll be 353 dollars. but if you go to rockauto.com it's just 216 dollars Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and tell them that Locked On sent you. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with Brooke Pryor from ESPN. Again, we thank you for making us the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day here. And remember that we are all we're available on all podcasting platforms for free. Now, Brooke, 
Let's get to some James Washington talk. Now, James Washington caught one pass early in the in, in the Seahawks game and then disappeared. And it was a legit question. Now, I wasn't at the game. You were at the Hinefield Press Box. I was at Dylan Murphy's, a Steelers bar in Manhattan, New York, uh, drinking with uh, a few of my Steelers friends um, who, uh, you know, just were, were, were happy to sit next to me as I tweeted furiously about every single play. Um, but uh, but you know, when, I, when I see that, I'm, they're asking me what's going on with James Washington. And I'm like, I guess he's hurt because – I don't know what's going on there. Now, when Mike Tomlin spoke about it, he said it was matchup related. He left it very short. He wouldn't get into it. And when he said that, I was kind of like, mm, I sure, because the week before James Washington wasn't available. And now he caught that one pass. And all of a sudden you didn't want to bring him in again. That to me said that there was something else there. But Ike Hilliard spoke just as Ter Terrell Austin did on Wednesday at the Steelers facility. And he had some interesting things to say about that. Yeah, that's that was like my biggest question to him is when Juju went down, James Washington was immediately the guy that we were all talking about. That the coaches pointed to as like, well, this is a great opportunity for James Washington. And then the first game without Juju, he played eight snaps. Yeah, that's it. And Ike explained it. A, Ike took the blame. He said it's on me. Um, and it boiled down to I I think a combination of just injuries and availability throughout the week in practice because it sounded like the initial plan was to rotate Chase Claypool and James Washington at the X. Both guys had been hurt, but it seemed like Chase's hamstring was holding up better and he was having an effective day. So I kill your didn't want to take Chase out said, you know what? We're going to let him ride there. We don't want to mess with a good thing. So then that would bump James over to playing the slot. Well, Ray Ray is uh, Juju's primary backup. So he, he was getting the first team reps. He got the bulk of the reps and then white was backing Ray Ray up. And throughout the week in practice, because James Washington was limited, he didn't get a ton of work at the slot. That's not his really natural position. I think he's a better outside guy regardless, but the Steelers kind of were going to try him out in the slot, but felt like in the game, okay, well, we don't want to mess with what Chase is doing. We also feel like he didn't get a good week of practice in the slot. So we don't want to take Ray Ray out. Uh, for James. So it sounds like he just got squeezed out because he wasn't available in practice to fully learn the spot. Um, and then he also just, they, they didn't want to mess with the chemistry that was already happening. And so mm -hmm. because of that, he gets in briefly and then they said, you know what, we're going to roll with what we've got. These are the two guys. Uh, but going forward from what I kill your said, he's like, look, I addressed it in the room. I talked with the guys personally, like they know, um, that we're going to do better. And James Washington can be a huge asset for us in the passing game. Um, I think it's, he mentioned a couple of times that this bye week comes at a really good time for the receivers group with Washington dealing with this. I believe it's a groin injury, Chase uh, Claypool having the hamstring injury to kind of get some of those soft tissue injuries rest, and then hopefully hit a reset button after this week and get Washington more involved. That's going to be a big question here: is how do they get Washington more involved? Now, uh, looking back at at this at the practice at the practice reports or the injury report going into the to the game, both Washington and Claypool were on limited practices Wednesday and Thursday, and then practiced full on Friday. Uh, but to your point, Claypool's injury was a hamstring, and James Washington had the groin bug uh, because that's been a thing. And 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 here's here's my thinking behind this, Brooke. I I totally get if the Steelers don't want to come out and say, you know what, we were a little scared of what James, you know, of re aggravating something with James so that we didn't have him at all so we just kind of said you know what we, we put him we put him you know put him away and you know what I also get you know James Washington he's not a natural slot guy so when you put Ray Ray McLeod in the slot position so that you allow Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool to be playmakers on the outside that makes sense 
Um, but you know, I, I also wonder if they could, if if this bye week is a chance for them to uh, have a bit of a realignment at the wide receiver position because now not only should James Washington get some reps there, but also Chase Claypool because that's where he saw some, some some success against the Broncos. I mean, some major success against the Broncos. It might even make more sense to put him there so that he's taking less of those 50-50 balls down the sideline that he's making more of catches, make more of like 10-90 balls. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas James Washington, that's where he's at his best sometimes is when he's going up and I get to go out jump and out physical the guy in the middle of the air. Um, that might be a solution that the Steelers could work out and let both get used to all this week and, and next week. A hundred percent. I, to me, it, James Washington is not a natural fit in the slot. And yeah. you're right. I think that you take away what makes him so good by putting him there because he's great at the combat catches. He can be such an explosive playmaker and to me, that's been a problem that the Steelers that he's had with the Steelers the his entire career in Pittsburgh is that he doesn't get put in positions to make the plays that they drafted him to make. He's always behind somebody else. And that's why, I mean, Adam Schefter reported in the offseason that he approached the Steelers about a trade because he felt like he was not being used enough in the offense and he wasn't getting the opportunities. And if you're James Washington, I think you're really frustrated after one week that Juju goes down you're you get very limited snaps and part of it's you know injury related part of it matchup or whatever Mike Tomlin's reasoning is but they're just not putting him in a position to succeed and I think they really want Chase Claypool to be the splash guy on the outside but like you said he's not coming down with these combat catches he's getting called for offensive pass interference I mean he he, I don't know if he's in his own head Whatever it is, he that second year leap that you see that you want to see out of a lot of these guys. Deontay Johnson made it um, most recently, but like Claypool isn't there yet. And I hope that they realize that in, in the bye week or say, you know what, we want to give James Washington a chance at the outside chase. Let's try you at, at slot. Because, like you said, he was really good when he was catching those crossing routes over the middle. Yeah. He was really that. To me, that's when the offense opened up and just looked better because I down the sideline, it's just such a question mark. It is, you don't know if he's going to catch it. If he's going to get an offensive pass interference, maybe he'll draw a defensive pass interference, but he was good at that in the Bills game. And then it feels like that element of the game kind of faded for him a little bit. So I, I would like to see them give James Washington a shot on the outside because I think he can be really, really good. We'll get back to more on the offense in just a sec, but first, got to tell you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online, it's that time of the year again. Uh, the time of the year again, and all eyes have turned to football. With that being back on the grind. Now, as always, Bet Online's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, there are even more odds, props, and contests. And Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Want to want to bet on who's going to have the most receiving yards in a Steelers game? You can check that out on Bet Online. There's all sorts of props and contests. Whether it's which coach is going to be fired next, who's going to win a different game, put your money down and make some money during the Steelers bye week by going to Bet Online. You can head to their website or mobile device or use your mobile device right now to sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit don't forget to use the promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n locked on to receive your welcome bonus and when you go to bet online remember they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your your favorite sports whether it's football basketball boxing all the way down to horse racing don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at bet online where the game starts 
We're wrapping things up here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. We thank you again for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day. We are available and free on all podcasting platforms. Now, Brooke, I got to ask you more about this offense because we t- you talked about opening things up with Chase Claypool down the middle. And I agree. That's a that, that's something that I think has to be part of it. I mean, in that Broncos game, when Ben Roethlisberger threw the touchdown into the end zone with Chase Claypool running like a like a, a post pattern down the middle of the field. It was just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? The Steelers threw a ball, or Ben Roethlisberger threw a ball way down the, the the middle of the field, and it opened everything up. And you saw the Broncos defense being like, oh wait, what the hell? When does that happen? You know, like how uh, we we have to guard that now? Okay, now we got to work, and it just makes sense. Why not go back to that? And then also, why not incorporate some other guys? We've seen Eric Ebron, a buddy of yours from UNC. He's, you know, he's gonna be he's he's a guy that's made a couple catches now. Pat Frymuth showing consistent hands. You've got guys, big guys, tall guys, athletic guys who you can go down the middle of the field and say, hey, defenses. You got to worry about this now. So now you got to pick your poison. Do you get hurt by these guys running down the middle of the field and being easier targets for Ben Roethlisberger? Or do you want to focus on Najee Harris eating you alive because that's what he's been doing when they when teams don't focus on it? Exactly. To me, the ideal offensive game that the Steelers, the, the ideal offensive identity that seems to be the million-dollar question, what is your identity? Heck if they know. Heck if I know. But to me, it seems like it should be the Broncos game because that was – the most balanced the offense was they ran it more than they threw it. And when they were throwing it, there were those, they were, they were targeting guys over the middle, which is, I feel like what we have talked about since the beginning of the season that we saw flashes of that in the preseason, that lions preseason game, like, Oh, this offense is going to be great. Look at, look at who they're targeting. Pratt Fryermuth super involved. They're looking at the middle of the field. This is absolutely the way to move the ball. And they moved it so efficiently and you just want them to go back to that same recipe. And it felt like to me, the Broncos game was the first game when they did that. And then it almost felt like it regressed a little bit last week. And they went away from that recipe again, because you weren't seeing Chase Claypool in the middle of the field, but they did get Fryermouth and Ebron involved more. Um, Ebron, the uh, a running back, apparently uh, <laughs> getting a rushing touchdown. Who would have thunk it? Um, they need, it's like they need to incorporate those pieces of, of having the tight ends involved with the balance that they had the week before. And then this offense is going to just move so much more smoothly when he, when Roethlisberger is hitting those middle of the field, intermediate passes like that to me, that's just an element that has to keep happening. I, I agree. That has to be incorporated into this, this offense, because again, it, it stretches the field in a different way. And it forces those linebackers, those safeties in the middle of the field to be, we have to play guessing games right now. We can't come up and just stop Najee Harris every time he's lined up in the backfield. And we can't just sit back because then if we do that, you know, and that's, again, that's when you force defenses into guessing games. That's when they're, that's when they're, they're at their toughest. And again, for those people who say, well, Matt Canada, why don't you draw it up? When you look at the tape, it's drawn up. The opportunities are there. There's, those shots haven't been taken by, from Ben Roethlisberger. Now, maybe he feels there's better chances in other places. Maybe he just needs to get into a rhythm with all his different weapons. And again, guys have been down. Chase Claypool's had injuries. James Washington's had injuries. Judas Smith-Schuster's out for the season. Uh, you know, Pat Frymuth's a rookie. You know, it, it, there's there's been a lot of moving pieces, and I get that. But that has to be a, a big part of what makes this Steelers offense go is targeting that middle of the field and opening that up a little bit more. And again, Again, you find that balance. You, it, it's going to allow Matt Canada to also open up the parts of his offense that I think that we that we see glimpses of here and there. 
those two jet sweeps that they call one went to Deontay Johnson, 25 yards, huge game, broke, you know, got a big play for the offense. Then the jet sweep to Eric Ebron got him a one-on-one at the goal line. He was able to go into the end zone. No problem. It's those types of play where you see the whole defense was running with Najee Harris. They're, they're scared of what he can do to you if you don't pay attention to him. Mm -hmm. And while that's happening, you have to, it's basically one man that you have to beat that, that another one of your athletes have to beat. And if you're making those type of plays work, that's something that, that 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 opens up the rest of your offense even more. So it's about creating those guessing games. I don't think the Steelers have done enough of that in these early games, whether it's on Canada or Ben or whoever. These are the things that I think has to change sooner rather than later. Now, granted, again, they got a bye week this week. They, you know, they get to rest. They get to look at film and come back at it against the Browns defense next week that hasn't played well. You know, uh, as of late, we'll see how they do. But bro, I just, I, I still think that this offense has a has a chance to turn things around, even if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't all of a sudden flip back to four years ago. Ben Roethlisberger, right? Ben Roethlisberger does not have to be a vintage Ben. Make this no. work. Um, I think that he just has to play within the offense that Canada is giving him and and take some of the shots that are not that are keeping this offense from being predictable predictable because that was one of the biggest critiques of last year's game of last year's offense was that they got too predictable mm -hmm. and down the stretch teams had figured out what they were doing figured out how Ben was kind of directing the receivers and changing the calls but like it and it was one dimensional because they had no run game and you don't want to go back to that. So you've got to take what Canada is showing you. And I'd like to see more of his concepts deployed than just like at the goal line. Cause to me, those are the instances when we've seen it the most, when yes, the, the jet sweep to Eric Ebron, Juju had kind of a similar mm -hmm. touchdown earlier this year, but I feel like we're seeing glimpses of what he wants to do, but to get the ball there, it's, there just seems to be a disconnect um, between how the offense is running in the open field and then how it runs when it gets to the goal line. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they have just got to play a, a have a more balanced run game, which I think is happening now that the offensive line is healthy. They seem to be gelling more. That was a huge talking point in the first couple of weeks that this line just couldn't block anybody. Um, but I feel like they really turned a corner in that Packers game and now having yeah. Zach Banner back. Does he end up getting thrown in the lineup? Does that just become a quality depth piece? I don't know, but I think it gives you more freedom. Um, but yeah, I think that the Steelers at the bye at this point are not in the dire situation that it felt like they were in two weeks ago. Um, even after the, I, I would say after the Raiders loss was pretty bad or Bengals, whichever yeah. one came second. No, I think, I think that, it was the Bengals one that everyone was kind of like, It was uh -oh. the Bengals one. It was like, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, and even the Packers one felt kind of optimistic because the line played better. And like that right. felt like it started to be a turning point. But now they just have to continue on that and not slide back into some of the habits um, that were really holding them back in the first couple of weeks. Certainly. Uh, you know, turning the turning turning page is what or a turning point of the season would be huge for the Steelers. And again, the bye week, I think, get, does give them a time not just for them to kind of refocus, but also to heal up. You know, people forget what bye weeks do for you. And I think people especially forget in Pittsburgh because they didn't have a bye week last year. Um, you know, it was 
you know, that, that whole situation went, went down. Uh, but you know, this will allow Ben Roethlisberger to, you know, you know, ease up on any of the bruises he's got from all the hits that he took. And also it allows the offensive line to kind of look at each other and be like, all right, this is what we got to do. And whether it is Zach Banner, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin brought up, he said, Hey, it's a good thing. If you have five or six, if you have six or more guys that you could count on and you have to, and then that you say, all right, well, this guy goes down, you have one more guy in there. Even if one of them you felt like was a starter, I think Zach Banner will be back in there at some point, because I think that he's the kind of run blocker that they need to make this offense go. Uh, but it's going to be all about who does better in practice, how they feel comfortable with these guys. I think it says a lot that they activated him, uh, you know, off of injured reserve. So now he takes up a roster spot, even if he was inactive for the last game. So we will see what does click for the Steelers offense next week. But this week, um, the, the Steelers are going to be watching how the AFC North does. Before we go, Brooke, I want to get your thoughts. This is the Thursday episode of the Locked On Steelers podcast. So if you're listening to this or you're watching this on YouTube, that means you know Thursday night football is here which means the the Cleveland Browns who a lot of people pick to be Super Bowl favorites and to you know had to to be you know right up in the mix with everything um they're 3 and 3 and they're at home and they're hurt up right now and they're playing the Denver Broncos who are also 3 and 3 and, and kind of up and down this season is this a must win game for the Browns uh Brooke and give me your your quick prediction on how you think this game plays out tonight yeah i think it's a must win because I, I feel like the last two years, it's been the same thing with the Browns where they're, you know, preseason Super Bowl pick, they're going to go all the way. And then the season starts. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, this year to me, the injuries are just what are hugely concerning that now you have Kareem Hunt out with the calf Mayfield out. And it sounds like, I mean, a torn labrum isn't something that's going to heal up in a week. Right. Um, that he's going to be dealing with this all season. Like rest is good, but eventually, I mean, I, I just think that this is something that could linger on and really affect any postseason hopes that they have. So, yeah, I think this is a must win for the Browns, knowing that their schedule is going to get tougher. They're going to play the Steelers after that game, um, and it it seems like a winnable game based on just how much of a roller coaster experience the Broncos uh, have been. And I think they have questions at quarterback right now with Teddy Bridgewater, if he's going to be healthy enough to play, or are we going to have a Drew Locke case Keenum showdown? Oh, what boy. a, what a sexy Thursday night matchup that one is. <laughs> that's, that's why we're all here to watch the game. Um, but yeah, I think that they have to show that they can win without Baker Mayfield at this point. Um, Cause they just have so many, they, there was a line that I heard on get up and I wish that I could remember who said it, but they have a roster that on talent alone, it's a six and zero roster, but somehow it's turned into a three and three team. And to me, that is just like the exact problem with the Browns is that they have not been able to, as a team come together and be a dominant team that their roster suggests they should be. When you have OBJ and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt on offense and on defense you have miles garrett and they loaded up in free agency and in the draft on other defensive guys and you're three and three like something has gone very very wrong in cleveland um and right now that's the injury thing so they have to figure out a way to fight through that to continue to be relevant not only in the afc north but in the afc as a whole who do you got winning tonight tonight broncos or browns oh i god the, watch this game be the one that ends in a tie because it's just so terrible for <laughs> both teams. I guess I've got the Browns, but I don't okay. feel super confident in that. 
All right, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I would I, not do not do not put money based on my prediction. Uh, <laughs> that is what I would not do. But I'm going to be interested to see how it goes um, without Mayfield and how much he's still able to energize the team from the sideline. Because to me, like that that X factor that he brings, the Pied Piper effect that he's had since he was at OU and even at Lake Travis in high school. How much of that are you missing when he is not the quarterback on the field? Um, that's something that I would keep an eye on. Certainly we will keep an eye on that. I got the Broncos in this game. I just, the way Von Miller was talking about, about, about who he's going to destroy. Yeah, Von Miller's ready to kill people. Uh, and that's concerning because he really could. He really, he really could. And the Browns got offensive line issues too. I just, I think that the Broncos are, are, are mad and that they're about to do something rough to the Browns. Uh, but, uh, but we'll see, we'll see how this plays out. Brooke, thanks so much for joining us here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. It's always a blast having you. Let people know they can find you, follow you and get more of your work. On Twitter, at B.E. Pryor, and on ESPN.com under the NFL tab. Absolutely. absolutely. Do check her out there. She does great work on ESPN. Uh, follow, follow me, Chris Carter, on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, also on Instagram with the same handle. Um, you can listen to this podcast and watch this podcast on YouTube, but listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Rate us five stars with a positive comment on Apple to get a shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for watching the show. We got Jenna Harner on Fridays here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We're going to be breaking things down on some Najee Harris talk, and we're going to be giving all you all of our Week 7 picks, getting you ready for the bye week. Tune in then. It'll be a really fun show. 